this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Talk about hope today. But you know, you may be in some areas of your life you don't have a lot of hope. God wants to breathe some hope in you. And I believe the scriptures will show you that, that every day is, is a gift from God. Do I view it that way? Well, God wants you to live with hope today, tomorrow, and even for your future. God's design for each one of us wasn't to go through this world miserable and beat up and broke down and knocked down and kicked around and drug around and all the above. God's got hope for you, okay? You know, just some thoughts for you. Periodically in King David's life, you read the Psalms and you'll find out that life was very difficult. Just read them and you'll look. Man, that dude went through a lot of stuff. And in Psalm 3, it said that he, he said this out of his mouth. He said, many are they that rise up against me. Many are they that say of the Lord. There's no help for him in God. But he responded and said, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. And so even in times of difficulty, and the reason I say that because you find out, guys, life isn't easy every day. But even when it's hard times, guys, you can believe God for hope. I don't know if any of you ever run very often, but when you run, there's certain days that it's a lot easier. Some days you feel like you could break the four-minute quarter of a mile for me. Not mile, quarter of a mile. And there's other days that I get about a half a block down and i got a stitch in my side and everything within me saying, go back home. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say, you know what? Even in the natural, I'm going to finish the race. Well, I believe at times spiritually, that's what's got to happen. we got to rise up on the inside. And how do I do that? I start saying about myself what God says. For thou, O Lord, art a shield to me, the glory and the lifter of my head, even in difficult days. Now here in John chapter 4, this passage, I believe the Lord is going to breathe, breathe hope on every one of us. Begin with me in verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, Though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. Now, when the Jews would would travel from Judea to Galilee or Galilee to Judea, they did everything within their ability and their power to avoid Samaria. In other words, they would not go through Samaria if they could get away with it. Now look real close at the wording in verse 4. But Jesus needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. One translation says there was the need. The Amplified says it was necessary. And so when Jesus went there, guys, it wasn't because there was a great restaurant there and there wasn't great shopping there. But there was a spiritual need there. So when I read here that he needed to go through Samaria, it wasn't by accident and it wasn't coincidental. It was divine or it had purpose. Now when we go on to this, you'll begin to see why this was all said. But Jesus has specific purpose for every one of you. I don't care who you are. He's got plans for us. So he goes on to say in verse 5, So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, 
near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. So Samaria would be like the region, the nation, or the head of a county. This city called Sychar was just a city within Samaria. Now briefly, let me give you a little bit of insight of what Jesus was dealing with in Sychar. The actual meaning for the city of Sychar is the town of drunkards. I was shocked when I read that. The actual meaning of this was the town of drunkards. Now, how would you like to be the mayor of that town? Where are you the mayor at? Well, the town of drunkards. So it gives you an idea of some of the characteristics of the people that live there. And it's interesting to me that it said he needed to go there. You know what it shows me? Jesus cares about people. I don't care if they're smart, dumb, ugly, drunks. He loves people. And he had a divine plan. So Jesus right here goes into this city. And in verse 6 it says, Now Jacob's well was there. And Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. So I don't know if there's a bench there. I kind of get the impression that Jesus himself may have been leaning up against this well. And I want you to note, guys, he's tired from the journey, and it's high noon. It is high noon when this takes place. Verse 7, A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Now, if we kept reading this passage, which we ultimately will, but if we kept going on here, you would see that this woman's life up to this point had been bad. It had been miserable. She hadn't had a lot of good things happen. Now, the people that went to the mail in Sychar, this identified them. What do you mean it identified them? The only ones that would go to the well were the poor. They went, and normally they would go two times a day, early in the morning and then they'd go again late in the evening. It's high noon. So why do you think she was going there? Do you think she was trying to beat the 5 o'clock rush? No. I believe the reason she was going at high noon is because she had the thought nobody else will be there. In other words, she had so much pain, so much failure, shame and guilt in her life, she had the thought as if I can just go there, I won't have to see anybody. I won't have to deal in it with anybody. But little did she know that Jesus had a need to go through there. And he was right there at the well. Now this wasn't coincidental or accidental. This had kingdom purpose. Now for a woman who had no hope, this was significant. I want you to show you just a couple things in some scripture and we'll come back here. Go to Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16, I'm going to show you a couple passages in the, the uh, Old Testament. I want to show you one more in the New before we go back there. Proverbs 16, and there's just some words in here that really begin to jump out. Verse 33, Proverbs 16, 33. It says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Now, sometimes when you read any, any passage in the Bible, you think, what's he talking about here? I went to several different passages just to get an insight on what was said here. It said where the lot is cast into the lap. One translation says that you cast your vote. 
In other words, you have a say-so in what takes place in your life. The last part says, but it's every decision is from the Lord. The message says, but God has the final say-so. Now, the Amplified says, even the events that seem accidental are really ordered by Him. In other words, God is aware of what's going on in your life. And we go back to this lady here. God was aware of her life. He knew what was going on with her. And many times when we say stuff like this, our thought is, well, if God's aware of us, then why isn't He doing something? Where are you at, God? How many of you have ever looked up to heaven or even in your thoughts or said, what's going on, God? Do you not see what's happening? The next book is Ecclesiastes. Go to Ecclesiastes 3, and I want you to see this. This will fill in some blanks even with what I just said. Ecclesiastes 3, and I'm going to start in verse 1. And it says, everything has its time. To everything there is a season or an opportune time. To everything. A time for purpose under heaven. The message says, a right time. A right time. So if we looked at verses 2 through 8, 9 through there, you would find out that the things that happen in life, there's a right time for everything. In other words, what he's telling us here, there's a proper cycle or a proper time for everything we do in life. Look at verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. The Amplified says he has planted eternity in man's heart. And so when you look at this, he's telling us the only thing that can satisfy us is Father God. He's placed eternity in every one of our hearts, but yet me and you, we still determine whether we're going to let him in there. And so what happens with man is we're always searching for purpose. We're always searching for things in life. But yet, he tells us that he's put eternity in every one of our hearts. And so, he's always trying to pull at us saying, Come here. Give give me your heart. Let me be Lord of your life. Now, look what he goes on to say the last part. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. Just because I can't see the things that God is doing or isn't doing doesn't mean He's not working. Now listen what the message says there. You won't know what God is up to. And so God's at work. Just because I can't see the natural things with my eyes or touch them doesn't mean He's not at work. Now we jump back to the lady at the well. It would be very easy for her to say, Is this how my life is going to be? Am I always going to be hurt and these things happen to me? God's got a plan for each one of us. Look into the New Testament to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. He's got a plan for you. There's seasons that He's going to move in your life. I promise. Romans 5. Verse number 6. says this. For when we were still without strength, spiritually weak and powerless, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
One translation says, just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. At just the right time. Not, well, over here, just the right time. The precise time. Now, I highlight that just for a minute. I want you to think back. And, and in, when you gave your heart to Jesus, what was the series of events that took place? I remember what happened in my life. I started hearing the scriptures about the things of God. And I started going to church. And I remember I would sit back there and I'd hear the things of God and there was a stirring within my heart. Remember, eternity's been put in our heart. And God started dealing with my heart. He started dealing with my heart, just like many of you. And there were times I would sit, sit back and I would sense God pulling at my heart. And then you know what I'd say? Not today. Not today. I'm not ready to live that way. There's some things I still want to do in my life. And then I'd come back the next week. And then one day, at the opportune time, at that specific time, at just the right time, there was a collision between me and Father God. And I gave my heart to Jesus. Was God always there? Absolutely. He was always there working. And that's how He is. Think about this in your life. What was all the series of events that led up to maybe you and your spouse marrying and crossing each other's path. It wasn't just by coincidence. God had plans. You know, I think back to my life. Me and Shelly went to the same junior high. I didn't know her. I went to the same high school. I didn't know her. But over a course of years, at just the right time, we crossed paths. See, God knows. He knows our, our future better than we know our past. Think about this. Maybe at a job with you. Think of the series of events that took place for you to get a certain job, for you to be doing what you're doing. Years ago, I was wanting this job, and to, to make a story short, they narrowed it down to two of us. I knew it was mine. Yes, I got it. I went down to that office to get my new job, and they told me they gave it to another guy. I was dejected. I was tore up. God, what are you doing? I remember walking in the house and Shelly said, you get it? And I said, no, I didn't get it. And immediately out of her mouth, she said, God's got something better for you. Now, you know what my thought was? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, but I mean, I was beat up. Two weeks later, that same company called me back and said, this is what's going to happen. We knew this would be a better fit for you. Ultimately, it was by far the better fit. It was at the opportune time, at just the right time. See, God's aware of you right now. Now go back with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. In saying that, how many of you are praying for something right now? How many of you are believing God for something right now? Listen, don't give up hope, okay? Don't give up hope. Remember, he said there's a season for everything. There's going to be things that happen. God wants to be a part, and as long as I just keep living for him, he's going to move. Now, we go back here. This woman goes to the well, and Jesus says, give me a drink. Verse 8. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Those dudes love to eat. 
It's amazing how many times in the Bible you find out. And so evidently, man, Subway's having a special, so they stop by. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealing with Samaritans? Now the reason with that, guys, is this had been hostility from generation to generation. And why there was such hostility between them, the Samaritans were a mixed race. They were part Syrian and part Jewish. And so they collided. But when she says this, how is it that you being a Jew would even ask, you know what this was? This was divine love. A woman who was a different race, and not only a different race, guys, even some of their morals were questionable. Jesus still loved her. Verse 10. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, now note that right there, if you knew the gift of God, and who it was that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now two things right there really stand out in verse number 10 when you look at it. If you knew the gift of God. See, it's one thing to know the gift of God. The second thing I want to point out there, he said, And you ask me. And you ask me. The only way I get saved is to ask Jesus into my heart. It's the same in every area of our life. Jesus doesn't do stuff without us giving him permission. And Jesus is telling her, if you ask, you would be given. Now he knew right here that she was hopeless. And Jesus also knew not only was she hopeless, he knew what was missing. And he's telling her this. Look at her response. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Wherein then do you get that living water? So in her eyes, she's thinking it's something that's physical. She thinks it's something you can buy. And what happens as human beings, guys, if we don't ever allow eternity through Jesus in our hearts, we begin to search for everything in the world. I remember for years of my life, I searched for so many things to make me happy. It never worked. And this is where she's at. She's searching. Verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. And so right here is what Jesus is saying. Listen, darling, the only thing that will ever satisfy is Jesus. That's it. You can keep looking around for this and this and this and this. But when I read into this farther... And you'll see, she does not get it, get it that Jesus is talking about the things of her heart, the things of her spirit. So look what she asked in verse number four, uh, 15. Then the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst. Give me this water. Now you know what she's thinking? There's a new energy drink out. And i got to get some of this gator. i got to get Red Bull. Man, that five-hour energy, that's where it's at. So she says, give me this water that I don't thirst. Now listen to this. Nor come here to draw. 
You know why she says to come here to draw? That every day she went to that well to draw, it brought up her past. All her shame and her guilt. So she says, I want this water so I don't have to come here because every time I come here, it reminds me of all the yuck in my life. Now she's thinking physically. Jesus realizes she thinks she's... He, he realizes she's thinking physically. So look what he says in verse uh, 16. So Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have well said I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, is that you spoke truly. You know what Jesus does? He does what I call, he reads her mail. He tells about all the issues in her life. I had a guy that once I got born again, the Lord put me across his path. This guy was so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He would read my mail all the time. I would be riding in him. We reffed the lot together, and I'd be riding with him, and he would just start telling me all the stuff that was going on in my life, and I'd say, When's the last time you've been talking to Shelly? And he'd look at me and say, I didn't talk to her about nothing. He would read my mouth just like this. Now, when Jesus tells this woman of everything in her life, it shows the severity of her life. But when I look at it, none of these were hang-ups to Jesus. In other words, it didn't bother Jesus that in man's eyes, she was a five-time loser. He really didn't care. And so when you begin to look at this here, all she was doing was searching for fulfillment and purpose in her life. She had gone from man to man to man. And you know what I find out with most human beings? That's what we do. We look through fulfillment through other people. Man, if I just had a, a Prince Charming as a husband, my life would be so well. And if we can't find it in other, other people... We look to money, we look to fame, we look to success. And that's exactly what this woman was doing right here. And let me ask you something. What well are you dropping your bucket into right now? If I don't allow Jesus into my heart and to be Lord of my life, remember, He's the only thing that satisfies. I'm going to keep dipping a bucket that has holes in it into a well. And when you dip a bucket into a well that has holes in it, you know what that means? you got to come back day by day by day, day after day after day. And not only do you have to come back after every day, you never have fulfillment. What a question, huh? So he asked her this. Now, when Jesus reads her mail, look what he, she responds in verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. You think so? Really? It's a pretty good evaluation. I perceive you're a prophet. You know what that shows me? That she knew Jesus understood what was in her heart. Now it's interesting that this Samaritan woman said, I perceive you're a prophet. In Matthew 13, the last part of that chapter, Jesus himself said, a prophet was, is without honor, except in his own country and among his own family. But yet here, a woman 
who did not know him? She knew he was a prophet. Now look what goes on here in these next few verses. Verse 20. She says this. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem. The place where one ought to worship. Now when she said this. She said this because the Samaritans. They denied this. They hated the fact that the Jews would say. The only place you can really worship is Jerusalem. Jesus said to her woman. Believe me. The hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem the Father. It won't be either of those places. Verse 22. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Now Jesus says this right here, and he's telling her, salvation comes only from Yeshua. The only salvation is from the Jews, which is Jesus. The word for salvation, a lot of times, we just get the meaning or the thought, it's just to heaven. The word salvation itself means deliverance. It means happiness. It means well-being. It means forgiveness, the remission of sins. And so he's saying to her, listen, when you receive the gift from the Jews, which is him, you receive salvation. He's putting hope in her. Verse 23. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. So what he's getting there. Remember she says that, well, you guys say we've got to worship in Jerusalem. Jesus is saying, true worshipers, guys. It's not about an out outward act. It's all about the heart. It's not about legalism. True worshipers are going to worship Him from their heart. And so He's telling her, it's not whether you're in Jerusalem or up on this mountain. It's right here with me. Keep reading. Verse 25. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When He comes... He will tell us all things. Now remember what Jesus had just done? He had told her all the, the sin in her life. Verse 26. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Right here, Jesus declares that He is the Messiah. And what really blesses me about this is her past sins and her present sins didn't exclude her. They didn't eliminate her. Jesus didn't say, sorry, you've blown it so many times, you're not getting in. He doesn't say that to her. Verse 27. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? Now the reason they said this, the Jews considered it improper for a rabbi to ever speak to a woman in public. That's why they said this. Look what happens in verse 28. The woman then left her water pot, went on her way into the city, and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Note there, she dropped her water bucket. Why do you think she did it? I believe she got born again. I believe she gave her heart to Jesus. He forgives her. 
He restores her. He empowers her. He transforms her and gives her hope. And so once she gets Jesus in her heart, she finds her real, her real purpose in life. What's her real purpose? Read again in verse 28 and you'll see it. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, and said, to, all of a sudden, this woman gives her heart to Jesus, and now she's going back to the men of the city to tell them about Jesus. Man, something happens when I give Jesus my heart. Not only does it bring hope back into me, man, it gives me purpose. You know what's interesting? This is just the thought I have. She goes back into the city to tell all these men about Jesus. I know she's been married five times. But yet, how many of these other men has she ministered to or told about Jesus? Has she had other actions with? Why am I telling you that? God is so significant that he'll take a woman that's viewed as insignificant and use her. I don't care how insignificant you think. Now remember how this all started. And Jesus had the need to go there. What ultimately was that need was God said today at just the right time, I'm going to cross your path with this woman. And not only is she going to receive you, and it's going to turn her life completely around, Look with me in, in verse number 39 at what happens. Get this right here. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. That right there put hope in me. That put purpose in me. I sit there and begin to look at that. God was so aware of that one woman, but not only that, he loved these people in the city of Samaria. The city that was called a town of drunk so much that Jesus personally had a divine appointment there. See, he's got divine appointments with us. He wants to touch your heart. He wants to put hope back in you. He doesn't want us to ever give up. The two things I see here. Jesus still takes messes and makes miracles. But you know what even more he wants to do? He wants to take your mess and make it his message where it gives you purpose in life. Where here this one time, five time divorcee, God used her. And no matter what you've done, God will use you. Remember guys, salvation is the Jews, but it just wasn't for the Jews. It was for every one of us. So in order for me to have kingdom purpose, number one, I've got to give my heart to Jesus. But once I get my heart to Jesus, how do you keep hope in your life? Start saying about yourself what God says. If you have no hope today, it's even the song we sang. I am who he says I am. And you begin to speak that and don't lose your hope. My hope is in him. I don't care what you're going through today. Once you start getting your mouth in line with your heart, God will move. Now listen to me. When Jesus appeared to, to the disciples after he rose from the dead, remember what he did? He looked to Thomas and he said, 
put your fingers into my nail prints. He said, thrust your hand into my, my side. Jesus' physical appearance had scars all over him. You know what those scars were for? Me and you. His scars represent our victories. And I say that today because many people, we go through life with scars. Your heart may be scarred today by something you've done. That's something that's happened to you. And just like the lady at the well, she didn't want to go during the regular time of day because all the guilt and the shame. But now she marches right back into the city in front of all those people that she had sinned in front of. See, God wants to take your scars and He wants to heal your heart. But I gotta let Him in. I gotta ask Him. Proverbs 24, 16 says, A righteous man will fall seven times, but he'll get back up. Guess what today? I'm going to put hope in some of you. Get back up. Get back up. The only time we fail is when we fail to get back up. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.